I so enjoy listening to God's people sing. I love what the choir does, but I tell you what, folks, listening to the holy roar from behind me as we sing together is an incredible sound and marvelous testimony of God's grace and faith. I hope that you brought a Bible with you this morning. If you did, I hope you can figure out we're looking in the book of Romans. Last Sunday morning, we finished basically a a brief series of messages to start off the new year on starting over. We talked about four different individuals who at different times and phases of their lives needed a beginning that only God could give. Last week, we had a mass at Saul and his meeting with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And this morning, we're going to begin a brief series of messages just hitting some mountaintops in Romans. A letter that was written by that same man years later after he had learned so much more about the ways of the Lord. And I think that it's one of those letters that I could spend years and years and years preaching out of and never exhaust the material because it is such a rich theological treatise. Today we're going to just think about what it's like to feel like you're skipping through life freely. Anybody ever feel like that? (laughs) No obligations, no debts, no expectations, no one placing any claims on your life. Wouldn't that be amazing? It kind of sounds like a self-centered way of living life. But it sounds like it might be enjoyable to try. Living life that way is more about satisfying ourselves and meeting our own expectations than it is about investing in anyone else. Now, I know people who are trying to live their lives like that. Cool. I know there are also people who think that the world owes them whatever it is that they desire. And they want to pass through life and just ride the coattails of the world's provisions. Whenever you do life that way, it makes it real easy to to find yourself grumbling, finger-pointing, casting blame whenever things don't go the way you want or the way that you anticipated they would or should. Some folks think that sounds attractive too. But it's incredibly empty. Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And as we talked about last Sunday morning, he was so radically transformed that it's hard, it really is hard to study the guy Saul and then look later at this man Paul and what he was doing and what he had to write and to say and the investment that he made in life and realize this is the same guy. The change was that drastic. It was that dramatic. Paul understood something. Something that I I just want to go ahead and get off my chest if I can this morning, okay? If you're in this room, you are, and you are my brother or sister in Christ. If you are 
a blood-bought saint of the living God, if you are one of the redeemed of the Lamb, if you understand what it is to be converted, to be born again, to be saved, to be made into a new creation, if you've had that experience in some form or fashion, whatever terminology you might be comfortable using or embracing, I want you to understand this morning with me, we are indebted. We are indebted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul talked about it. He, he used a different word in the passage we're going to read together this morning. He talked about being obligated. His obligation was his, his debt. As I was reading in, in Romans chapter 1 several weeks ago, I, I found myself just kind of backing up and parking in this passage and, and asking myself, to whom are we indebted? To whom are we obligated. A lot of folks don't realize that they are. They think that salvation is just about me. Jesus loves me. This I know. I'm saved, saved, saved. But we don't want to stop and sing those other songs. Where he leads, I'll go. I have decided to follow Jesus. You see, whenever you start looking through the theology of the hymnal and the verses and the songs that we sing, you have to understand it is a very complete theology. Yes, it does talk about whosoever includes me, but it also says, here am I, send me. Where does this come from? It comes directly from the Word of God. I want us to look together. In Romans chapter 1, we're, we're just going to look at a few verses this morning, but they're verses that I know are, are well-read, well-known. At least some of it will be recognizable to you. But these are words that we need to park on and think about together for a little while. So if you've got your Bible open to Romans chapter 1, find verse 14. Once you've found that, if you can, will I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of our Heavenly Fathers. We read together this morning from His inspired Word. The Apostle Paul is writing to his brothers and sisters in Christ who lived in Rome. And he tells them, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to hear the word of the Lord. I thank you for your word. So clear, so powerful, so personal. Father, there are many of us in this room today who must claim that we are debtors. 
But I believe that there are also in this room some who are not yet debtors because they have never experienced receiving your gift of eternal life. Your voice. And I pray for them today that they would hear your word, that they would hear your voice, they would hear your call, and they would respond in faith, believing. And Father, I pray now that as we spend these moments together looking into the mind and the heart of, of this disciple who lived so long ago, help our hearts to be captured as was his. That we might be driven by you to serve you and make you known. Father, teach us from your word. But we're ready to listen. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Reading these words, it's so obvious that Paul thought, he felt that he owed the world something. He knew that God had rescued him. Rescued him from sin and sorrow and self-destruction. Rescued him from hatred and heartache and hell. Paul looked back on the man that he was before Jesus. He looked back on the life he was living before he met Jesus. He looked at where he was heading. And he could not find it in himself to feel free from obligation. So Paul sells himself fully to this task of making Jesus known, of bringing others into the kingdom of God, of of paying a debt that he felt he owed. And I just want us this morning to just try to understand Paul's position by looking at these verses. And I hope that you understand my heart when I say that we are debtors. And if you don't, maybe I can help you a little bit if we take a moment and talk about Paul. You see, Paul was a man with an obligation, a debt, if you will. The word obligated, as it's used here, means indebted. Paul realized that there was a price that had to be paid for his salvation, a price that he couldn't pay. In fact, before you get too hot on Paul, I want you to understand something. Every one of us in this room owes a debt we cannot pay. That's not just the lyrics to a cute chorus. This is a reality. We owe a debt we cannot pay. The price, the price of sin is death. But in order for that price to be paid in such a way that sin is paid for and atoned, The death that is required is the death of a perfect, sinless lamb. Have you looked in the mirror lately? I have. Every now and again, God takes me to the woodshed, stands me in front of the door, closes the door, and there's the mirror, and it says, here you are in all of your nastiness, Tim. And I want you to understand, there's not anything good about me. Oh, My mama loved me. But, you know, she had to. Y'all get that, right? But the reality is that I'm a sinner. All of us are. 
We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. We don't measure up to his expectation. We do not meet what he created us to be. Neither did Paul. And he understood that. And he knew that for the transition to take place that happened on the road to Damascus when he went from being Saul, the murderer, to Paul, the missionary, something marvelous had to occur in there. And it wasn't him. It was Jesus. You see, when Jesus went to the cross and he took that sin upon him and he died in our place, he paid the price. He paid a debt we owed that we could never pay. And we, therefore, are indebted to him because he is the one who paid the price for our sin. Any man who is in debt is a man who has received something for which he did not pay or for which he has not yet paid. In this room, we are debtors. We owe a debt which we did not pay, but it has been, according to Scripture, paid in full. Now, if we want to get out of the spiritual realm and, and say, well, make, make this make sense. Okay, across this room, people sitting in this room are obligated for vehicle payments. Home mortgages. Medical services, perhaps, that have been rendered that you're still paying on. I, mean, I can go on and on. The list is, is almost endless, isn't it? People have debts for all manner of obligations. But Paul is writing about a debt, an obligation that's unlike any of these. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. Why? Because I have a gift that I have to share. I didn't buy it. God bought it. He paid for it with his son whom he gave. Why did Paul feel so indebted over this gift that he had received. We're not far past Christmas. How many of y'all got a Christmas gift this year? Oh, come on, people. <laughs> Work with me here. How many of y'all got a Christmas gift this year? I know most of you did not get the lump of coal. All right? You got a Christmas gift. More than likely... Looking across this room, there was probably a tag on the gift that said to, and then it said from. And more than likely, you looked at the tag and you looked across the room and you did your bashful face. You said, thank you. Now, after you said thank you, let me ask you something. Did you feel indebted to them for that gift? Mixed bag here. Yes, no, maybe, not sure. Trying to figure out what answer the preacher's looking for. <laughs> it was a gift, people. It was a gift. It was given to you. You're not obligated for it. The fact that you said thank you simply says, I appreciate that you thought about me and that you offered me a gift, but that's not indebted for it. You don't have to try to do bigger and better. Some people think that's the whole concept of gift giving is we play bigger and better. You give me something, I'm going to give you something better. And let's see what happens next year. Yeah. That's not how it works. Why? Because it's a gift. God has given to us a gift. We feel indebted. He knows we can't pay the debt. 
He knows that we can't. Paul knew that he couldn't. He says, I am obligated. I'm indebted. But he knew he couldn't. He just simply remembered very well who he was before he was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I want to tell you, he was a scoundrel. Too many of us have forgotten. We've forgotten who we were before Jesus got a hold of us. We've forgotten what we were like before we met him. Or, or maybe you say, well, I was never that bad. I was, I, I was saved as a child, and I never really got into some of the stuff you're thinking about or other people are talking about. And I, You've forgotten what you would have become without him. Folks, I never, for, listen, I was saved as a child. There are a lot of things I can tell you. I did not ever do these things. But I'm also going to tell you this, had I not met him as a child, I probably would have done every thinking one of them. He saves us from what we are, but he saves us from what we would become. He saves us from our worst that is inside of us, our debt. Our debt of sin is a debt that none of us could pay. The bill that Jesus paid at the cross was far beyond anything that any one of us could do. We need to understand this morning. Paul felt a debt of gratitude for having been saved, knowing that Jesus did for him what he could never have done for himself. And that feeling of gratitude was about God's grace for him. I think that's one reason why, like this morning, just happened, by the way, Mark, just happened, just, just fluke, it happened. But I think that's the reason why many of us don't realize it. We don't think about it. It's not a, a cognizant thing. It's just kind of back there in the back where the wheels turn quietly sometimes, you know, when the squirrels are just walking real slow. That's the reason that we can sing with such gusto. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's the reason that, that, that we can roar. Grace. Grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Because even though we may not think about it, we understand how true those words really are. Paul was a man with an obligation. He recognized his debt. I think sometimes we, we know the debt's there. We recognize the debt, but we're really not ready to, to jump into the middle of this thing yet. And so I just want to park that right there for now. And let's just talk for a few moments, if we might, about... When Paul was writing, what he was saying here, and these words we read together, to whom is this obligation to be paid? You see, our debt is to Christ. Our debt is to Jesus. He's the one who paid our debt. He's the one who took our bill and, and, and said, I'm going to take care of this. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Paul writes, he says, I'm obligated both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks. To the wise and the foolish. Paul said, I'm indebted, I'm obligated to mankind. That all. 
Do you know why? Because God, and Paul understood something that many of us have never really wrestled with at all, and I want you to just understand it. So I'm just going to say it. You can accept it, reject it, whatever you choose to do today. But here's the bottom line. God cannot be paid. First off, you got nothing he wants. He wants you, but you possess nothing that he wants. And there's not any of us or all of us combined together who can pay God what God is worth or what God deserves. So Paul looks around him and he states the obvious, since I cannot pay God, I am going to fulfill my debt. I am going to fulfill my obligation by making God known to his creation that has turned their back on him, that has rejected him, to both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks. Basically, this is a fancy way of saying to everybody. All right? Greeks and non-Greeks, that pretty well covers the world. That's kind of like saying Jew and Gentile. Okay, you're part of this group or you're part of this group, but the whole group is covered. And just in case you haven't figured out what your bloodline is, let's just go ahead and make this really simple. To the wise and the foolish. I think we all fall in here somewhere, don't we? Yeah. Listen, friends, it's not so important to know whom the debt is to be paid to as it is to understand that this debt, this obligation needs to be paid. It needs to be paid and we have to know where to pay it. How many of you all pay your bills online? Some of you do, okay. How many of you still sit down with your checkbook and your bills and a ledger? Okay, some of you do. How often do you look at the return envelope and see the address on it. Are you kidding me? You don't make sure where you're sending it to? Or do you make sure that the coupon, the payment coupon goes in with it? So that it's all stuck together and it gets to the right place and it's credited to the right person? And boy, I hope y'all do well with this. Because you seem as if it's a whole new concept there. We need to make sure that remittance goes to the proper place. And Paul was stressing this need when he talks about the Greeks and the non-Greeks and the wise and the foolish, that our obligation, our debt of gratitude needs to be repaid in service to the world around us. Why? Because God loves the world. That's why he gave his son. So that whoever believes in him could have eternal life. Now, I had Christian people look at me before and say, you know, preacher, I've heard pastors talk about this my whole life. And I think you guys are all in on this scam together. Is our obligation, is our debt real? Huh. Is this the word of God? Is it true? Is it believable? Is it to be acted upon? Well, then don't ask me if I'm telling you the truth. Because all I'm telling you is what's in this book right at this moment. Scripture proclaims that good news is for man. It wasn't too long ago we were celebrating or preparing to celebrate Christmas together. You remember? We read the message of the angels who announced the arrival of the Lord. It was about good news, good news for all men. 
It's about God's love. And I want to tell you something about this good news, this gospel. God doesn't need it. He is the creator of all good news. But we sure do need some good news in the world we live in, don't we? Listen, Scripture proclaims this message about God's good news. Can I tell you what the good news is? That He offers grace. He offers mercy. He offers forgiveness. He offers salvation. He offers life. God has got all of those things. He doesn't need them. But we sure do. Scripture proclaims that God's gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, God is the eternal one. He is the ancient of days. He is the one who spoke all things into being. He is the one who keeps and sustains all things. He is the one who is over all things. He does not need eternal life, but we sure do. So if this is about God giving something to man, and we are indebted to God, how are we going to pay our debt to God other than by ministering to the needs of others? And I know this is kind of where it gets dicey in some people's, and I don't really want to hear where this is getting ready to go. Let me just explain a couple of things to you. Everyone, God does not call everyone to pastor. God does not call everyone to be a student pastor. He does not call everyone to be a minister of music. He does not call everyone to be a deacon. But he calls everyone whom he calls to himself to be a disciple. And to be light in darkness. To be bearers of the truth and sharers of his love. We have to learn how to see the world around us. And, and I think that's one of those things that I think Paul was so great at. If you read his letters, he saw the world around him. He saw people who were hurting. He saw people who were floundering. He saw people who were looking for hope and looking for truth and didn't know where to look and where to find it. And, and we need not only to, to see the world, but we need to feel with the world. We need to empathize. And when I say that, please understand, this is one of the great criticisms of the modern church is that we don't, we don't empathize with the world around us. We are quick to condemn those whose lifestyles do not match ours, but we do not empathize with the pain that has brought them to the place where they are. We are quick to criticize those who will take actions or do things that we disagree with vehemently, but we don't disagree vehemently with love, understanding that perhaps they've made a bad decision or a bad choice and they're just trying to find their way back to a place of grace and rather than helping them, we kick them. We need to learn to love empathetically, to feel empathetically, to see people around us and seek them out, and then to act. And listen, the church has done a lot of marvelous things. When I say church, it's so generic, it's so broad, it's so, such a blanket statement. But throughout the course of history, understand that the church has had tremendous impact for all of the evil that it has done. It has done so much good. Charity work 
medical work, orphanages, homes for the elderly, educational facilities, on and on and on the list can go. But there are so many little things that we have the opportunity to do, so little ways to make impact week by week, moment by moment, day by day, to feed the hungry, to love the unlovable, to care for people who think that no one cares and no one knows their plight and no one understands their hurt. You see, well, that's too big. I don't think I can invest in that. Really? I think all of us can invest in that, whether we do it individually or whether we do it together. But we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. When we pay this obligation of loving, sharing, telling, going, giving, We may not think it has a whole lot to do with Jesus, but anybody we touch, it has to do with Jesus. I told you I was going to stay in this passage of Scripture, so I'm going to. It would be so easy to just get on a soapbox right here and go to town, but your lunch would burn. It would not alter kickoff time at all. But I know none of you care about that. Because the Chiefs lost, Andrew, we know. <laughs> but let's get back to these verses. And let's just spend a moment recognizing the truth that Paul was ready to pay. Paul states his readiness. I mean, this isn't a matter of eh, maybe someday I'll get around to it. Maybe someday something will happen that will give me an opportunity. Maybe, maybe, no, not at all. Paul was ready. He was ready right now. Look at verse 15. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. That's why I'm so eager. That's why I'm ready. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to walk into Rome. I am ready to open the Word of God. I am ready to explain to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am ready to tell you how deep God's love is for you. Paul was confident in what he had to offer. And brothers and sisters, hear me well. We don't need to be mealy-mouthed, wimpy, or quiet as believers in Jesus Christ. If we have been born again, if we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, if we are possessed of the one whose love is greater and deeper and broader and wider than any other love, we should speak with boldness and confidence the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other way. There is no other hope. There is no other source of salvation. But in Him there is hope and life and love and eternity with the Father. Paul said it much better than I could. He was cheating. The Spirit of God was speaking to him. But did you see what he said? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Whoa. Yeah, you want to talk about living in a tough world. Okay, we got some people making some crazy screwed up laws in the world we're living in right now. 
And we got a culture that's buying into it lock, stock, and barrel. And, and, and it's heading us down a course we don't want to go down. And, and we've got the opportunity to stand up and speak about it and speak against it and speak to it. And, and I pray that we will do that. But please understand, we are not in a world at current, at least in our particular piece of the culture, we are not in a world where we are having our heads chopped off. We are not having hot burning oil placed upon us. We are not being t- dipped in pitch and then lit up as street lamps at night in the great capital city we're not experiencing anything of that sort we should have absolutely no fear to say I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew then for the Gentile there we go we just took the whole world in again didn't we we've had Greeks and non-Greeks wise and foolish Jews and non-Jews man I mean we're everywhere Paul knew by personal experience this is real. It's real. Why? Because it changed his life. And he explains how that happens. And I want you to see this because this is a verse that gets ignored. And I don't want to ignore it. I just want you to look at it for a moment. I want you to just kind of break it down, if you will, a little bit with me. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to look at it. Look at verse 17. For in the the gospel... A righteousness from God is revealed. Okay, what is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the message of Jesus Christ. It's the account of God putting on flesh, coming into the world, living a perfect sinless life, going to the cross, taking the sin of mankind upon himself, dying there, paying the price for that sin so that man might be redeemed, being buried, resurrected, And ascended into the glory of the Father. That's the gospel. Okay? What does he say? In the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. It's not our righteousness. It's not something we can do. It's not something we are in control of. It's not something we can say, I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to put on righteousness. I'm going to become a righteous man, a righteous woman. We're going to be a righteous family. This is going to be a righteous church. No. A righteousness from God is revealed. comes from Him. Get this. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last you can't turn it on you can't turn it off it's a God thing it's by faith seems to me there are several things we're told in the gospel or in the word of God are by faith salvation is by faith this righteousness of God it is by faith from beginning to end from first to to last. It's all about what God is doing in us. It's not about who we are, what we're doing, or what we're choosing, or what we want to become. It's about what He is doing in us and through us. And then it tells us this at the end, a nice little quote out of the Old Testament. It's written, the righteous will live by faith. It's not about what you see. It's not about what you hear. It's not about what you know is going on in your world, no. It's about faith. It's about your trust in God. 
It's about your belief in Him and who He is and what He's doing. And I, I keep reading these words. I keep reading Paul's words, and I hear him saying, I'm ready. I want to come to Rome. I want to tear the walls down. I want to just blow up the home of the emperor. I want to take the capital city and turn it on the ear with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I find myself reading these words and asking myself, are we ready to pay our obligation? Are we ready to fulfill our debt? That's kind of a hot topic these days, isn't it? Who can even wrap their brain around 22 trillion? I can't get my head there. I hear people proclaim to me all the time, Pastor, I'm almost debt free. It's a great goal to pursue. Man, get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt. Be debt-free to the greatest of your ability. But please understand, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you will never be debt-free. Never. If you've been saved by grace, been born again by faith in God and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. Hear me well. You will never, never, never be debt free. I am a debtor to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I am a debtor to the goodness of God's grace. I am obligated for the salvation that was given to me so freely and so completely, even though I was completely undeserving. I read Paul's words and I get it, folks. <laughs> the Lord transformed me by His grace just the same as He did Saul all those years ago on the road to Damascus. Many of you are sitting here looking at me and you're saying, well, I, I don't really want to talk about this. I don't really want to. He transformed you too. He did something amazing in your life. He turned you into a new creation. And can I just tell you something, brothers and sisters? We are debtors together in Christ Jesus. If you're here and you're not a debtor, you say, well, I've never had that experience. I want you to know that if you will call out to him today in repentance and faith, if you will allow him to take over your life and take control of your life, you will become a debtor. You will be obligated along with the rest of us to serve others in Jesus' name. It's not a bad thing. It changes how you see the world. It changes how you deal with people. The question is, are you ready to let him change you? Are you just satisfied to sit as you are? That's the decision that each one must make. I'm obligated. Will you be obligated with me? Say, we can't make that much of a difference, preacher. I beg to differ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an amazing thing. I just want you to listen again. I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
Because it is the power of God for salvation. The salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel is a powerful agent. Friends, we don't have to change the world. We just have to proclaim the truth and let God do what God wants. One heart, one life, and one soul at a time. And maybe he's trying to start this morning with you. So what are you going to do? I'm a debtor. And I just want to tell you something. <laughs> it's a whole lot simpler to live life when you just accept, I'm always going to be in debt. It doesn't matter how many sermons I preach or Bible studies I teach. It does not matter how many conversations I have on plane rides. It doesn't matter how many tracts I leave in restaurants or hotel lobbies. It does not matter how many people I talk to in their living rooms or on their front porches. It does not matter how many conversations I have telling people about Jesus and what he's done in my life. I will never be debt free. Will you join me? Will you just accept that this is the debt? If there's a debt to have, this is the one. This is my story. This is my song. What's yours? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a, a song of, of surrender, of invitation, of commitment. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what, I've, I've, never, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered to him. I'm still in charge. <laughs> no, you think you're in charge. And you're battling against him, but you're really not. He is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And my friends, he brought you here this morning because he wants to speak to you. And I'm not sure what he's saying to you. I don't know what he's speaking to you. I don't know how he's addressing you, but I want you to understand something. If you do not belong to him, there is absolutely nothing better, nothing greater that you could do today than to give your heart and your life to him. You may be saying, I want to do that. I, I really do. I've heard this before, and, and today I'm hearing it, and it's ringing in my heart. It's resonating in my mind. I need to act on this, but I'm not sure what to do. I want to invite you in a moment when we stand and begin to sing. Come take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want that relationship. I won't embarrass you. I will not put you on the spot, but I'd love to visit with you. I'd love to share with you from the Word of God how you can become His child today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Far too long we've been delinquent on our payments. It's time to own our debt. It's time to begin to fulfill our obligation. So I'm asking you, will you join me? 
Will you surrender yourself to making Jesus known everywhere, to everyone, in every way possible? Do you decide? Father, I thank you for your word. What a challenge. What a challenge to accept into our lives opportunity to partner with you in the ministry of reconciling the world to yourself through Christ Jesus. But this is the invitation. We can't partner with you until we become part of you. And so, Father, if there's someone in this room who does not know you, I pray for them right now that your Holy Spirit would convict them of sin, convince them of the Savior, draw them to yourself. Father, our desire more than anything else is to hold up the gospel of Jesus so that you might draw all men unto yourself. Father, I plead with you, draw them today. And Father, there's so many sitting in this room. It's comfortable. We're satisfied. We... We come, we get fed. We, we come and, and we receive and that's good. That's, that's all well. But Father, we need to come and receive and go and give. Burden us, Father, for the lost around us. Burden us for the broken among us. Burden us for those who are hurting and struggling in need of the love and the name of Jesus Christ today. That we would not be satisfied to sit any longer. But rather we would understand our place is that we are called to serve. Father, empower us with your spirit. Strengthen us by your word. And use us for your glory. Father, I pray right now, whatever it is that you're speaking to the hearts of your people, that we would have ears to hear. And we would have a willingness to respond in obedience, letting you have your way in our lives. Father, be glorified. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.